It is wild. Okay, so it's wild to me that you and Bill both thought that, and I thought it was being so true to the story. <laughs> Truly, I don't think he dies in this movie. <laughs> this episode contains spoilers for the 2021 Netflix original Good on Paper, so if it is at all important to you, spoiler alert, it isn't really. But if it is important to you to watch this movie totally spoiler-free, give us a quick pause and come back in 90 minutes after you have watched the movie. We will wait for you. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen cinema and adult rom-coms. I am your co-host, library manager, and YA lit purveyor and expert Martha Sullivan and I am here as always with my co-host I'm Marin Hagman uh, adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast and we are here today to discuss the 2021 Netflix original I believe I believe good on paper directed by Kimmy Gatewood written by Eliza Schlesinger starring Schlesinger as Andrea. Uh, oh, why are these why are these credits not in important order? Oh no, oh no. Oh, no. Ryan Hansen as Dennis, Rebecca Rittenhouse as Serena, Margaret Cho as Margot, and then a bunch of other people who I am now having trouble placing in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> who don't matter. To who don't film. matter. <gasps> Uh, so, Good on Paper is the story of Andrea, who is a stand-up comic, uh, and in the course of uh, attending auditions for what she is hoping will be her break into the acting world, uh, meets Dennis, a man on a plane who seems to be smart, funny, is on her same wavelength. The two of them strike up a friendship uh, that is very platonic until suddenly it isn't. Uh, and Andrea and Dennis proceed uh, to develop a romantic relationship. And in all ways that Andrea can tell, Dennis seems to be good on paper. Uh, suspiciously so, question mark. Um, as she and her friend Margot uh, start to uncover some inconsistencies in the stories that Dennis tells about where he lives, where he works, where he went to school, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Andrea starts to realize that he is not who he seems to be uh, and, in fact, has been lying to her for a very long time. Uh, all of this comes to a head during a very cringeworthy scene where Andrea and Margot interrogate him as to who he really is. Uh, and Andrea has a, a, a very emotional time kind of coming to grips with the fact that she was... Uh, so easily kind, not the fact that she was so easily taken advantage of by this guy. Um, <sighs> I didn't love this one. No, Lauren. this is not a good movie. Uh, first of all, I apologize. This is not a rom-com. Yeah. Net, uh, Wikipedia is lying to us all. Uh, uh, so I would like, I would like everybody to listen to, the Netflix description of this movie, um, because I, I like to think that we on this show are consistent in what our wheelhouse is. 
Uh, and the the Netflix description of this movie says, after years of putting her career first, a stand-up comic meets a guy who seems perfect, smart, nice, successful, and possibly too good to be true. So, yes, that is accurate, but also, I would argue, misleading. Um, because what this movie really is, is a... Not, it's not even, I don't even think this qualifies as a deconstruction of a rom-com. Nope. I think it is just, I think it is, well, actually, what what do you think the point of this movie is, <laughs> I mean, my main thought coming into this episode was like, who is this movie for? Because it can't seem to decide if it wants to be like Gone Girl with laughs or like, I don't know, like, definitely maybe, like, a rom-com with, like, a weird mystery thrown in, like, this so, movie, yeah. I do actually think I know who this movie is supposed to be for. I don't think, I don't think it is successful at it, but I think it is supposed to be for yours and my generation. I think this is supposed to be for millennial women, because I think what it is trying to do is, it is trying to tell us that it's okay to have put your career first. It is okay to be single. It is okay not to settle because that's Andrea's whole deal. Is that like, she does not start wanting a relationship with Dennis. Eventually she feels like it's what she should be doing because it is a marker for like where she is in her life. And I think at the end of the movie, she has to kind of come to, she has to make peace with the fact that she is okay being single right now and she doesn't have to stand for um, jerkwads like Dennis. That's what I think this movie is trying to do. Okay, fair enough. It, it, it succeeds so poorly that that did not even occur to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it is, I think it is supposed to be for millennial women who are like, how, how often do we hear about millennials getting married later, not having kids, not buying houses. And a lot of this, I think you and I could agree, is economically driven. Nope. Um, but also a lot of it is just we have more choices. So, like, you and I are both married, but you and I also got married. Well, I got married much later in my life than my mother did. Um, my husband and I do not have children. We have not purchased a house. Like, I am 34 and have not hit a lot of these like really regular, like quote unquote normal life markers that history tells me I am supposed to care about or have done. And I truly think that this movie is meant for meant to tell me that that's okay. Yeah. I think it is trying to use and again, I keep coming back to definitely maybe because I think that is another rom-com that tries to take. Okay, so for our listeners who maybe have not seen definitely maybe, um, it is both a rom-com but also a mystery as the dad is telling the da his daughter um, the story of how it's kind of like a how I met your mother um esque scenario with like a central mystery of who are these people he's talking about who was the one he was actually in love with um so i think that this movie wants to use 
that idea of using the rom-com formula and tone to tell a different story. I mean, probably building a little bit on, like, My Best Friend's Wedding, the movie I Hate So Much, 500 Days of Summer, you know, trying to build on these films that take the trappings of a rom-com to say, you know, a happy ending can look like something else, right? Like, I think that's what it's trying to build on and what it's trying to use. And I think it it, it just goes so off the rails well, I, I guess I'm not sure that this movie is even ever trying to be a rom-com. I think it's trying to use the DNA of a rom-com and some, again, like the tonal elements, some of the, like, you know, conceits, like there's a meet-cute, there's a, you know, best friend. Like, I think it's trying to take some of this at least visual and story language of a rom-com. Um, I don't think it ever wants to be a, like, you know, boy meets girl happily ever after thing. Like, I don't think it's as pointedly building to and then dismissing a rom-com tropes, but I think it's using that language to try to tell a story. I fully thought for a while that we were going to get some kind of ending where we find out that, like, Dennis had pure motives or something. Like, there, there. I feel like there was a version of this movie where Dennis and Andrea still end up together, and I am really glad that that's not the movie that we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I... I did not. I never for a second thought it was going to end that way. Um, I think just because it was so apparent, like his lies were so transparent so soon that it was like, oh, no. And even though and I will recommend one of them at the end of this episode, like even though I think there are rom-coms where you know people meet under false pretenses i mean i'm not going to recommend this one but see while you were sleeping and that ilk um i think it's just the lies were so disturbing so uh, it's like so apparent and so early that it was like oh no like this is not like this is definitely telling a different type of story or trying to anyway um Again, I would not say it succeeds in doing so, but. Well, but yeah, but I think you're right that there's like a whole brand of rom-coms that have trained us to say, oh, yes, like there is a version of this story. We're like, oh, yeah, he lied, but like for good reason. Well, and then for a while, I thought the story was going to be like she. Like he is in love with her and she is not into him. But by the end of the movie, she realizes that he's right for her. Like, I feel like that there's also a version of this movie that does that. I thought there was going to be a version of this movie where like in tracking down his lies, she meets like random LAPD detective or like random dude who is helping her track this down and falls in love with him, you know, kind of like Desperados. Like, I thought there was going to be a, like, from left field love interest. Mm-hmm. 
I am kind of glad. So after the very awful interrogation scene where she and Margot get him very, very drunk and then tie him up in a basement and like grill him. I was kind of glad that he sued her for assault. Yeah. Right. Um, because that felt very much like a, Oh, this is something we see a lot in adult comedy is like this kind of accidental. Oh God, how have we fallen into like kidnapping and, assault and all of this bad stuff that we then get no repercussions for. And I'm like, well, actually what you've done here is bad. <laughs> it's like, bad and terrible and pretty <laughs> illegal. Like no matter, no matter what kind of person Dennis is, like you have still done the bad thing. Yeah. Like what was that Scarlett Johansson movie about like a bachelorette night gone wrong where they like murder a strip, a male stripper or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this was something. This this was a movie that exists for God knows why reason. Um, let me look it up here. But yeah, I did think it could. I I am glad it did not let her off the hook in that respect. Uh, did love Margaret Cho. Yeah, Thought she was great. She plays the lesbian best friend. I enjoyed her. Um. Do we think that this movie was making fun of Andrea at all? Mm. Um, just updating you that the movie I was referencing uh, is called Rough Night from 2017. Okay. Uh, a movie that we have... skipped that one, I think. Yep. A movie that we have all, for good reason, collectively forgot existed. Um, yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I don't know the... Uh, no, I think this movie took Andrea seriously. Um... I think it was from her point of view. I think it, um, I think it was pretty sympathetic to her struggles. Um, I, I do think there were a couple moments where I almost wanted them to, cause there were a couple moments where it, it just like surpassed incredulity that she was not seeing through these lies. Like the, there was a moment where I was like, come on, writers. Like, you guys know that this just makes her look. Like, come on. It, which this... moment Which moment, and at what time? Because I also feel like one of the things this movie is showing is how not easy it is, but how even when you are a smart, independent person, like, gaslighting in a this kind of emotional abuse like is a real thing and which which parts um i think it was like right before the scene because she finally figures out to confront him um after they go to the house and she like does get very suspicious after that golf scene with her is it her brother and sister-in-law yeah or cousin sorry cousin like but even, like, a scene before that where, um, yeah, I would say it was, like, right before the golf scene, where it was finally after the golf scene she started getting suspicious. And I was like, okay, good. But, like, the couple scenes before that, I was like, okay. Like, this is, my my disbelief is not suspended here. Yeah, I guess I was willing to cut her a little bit more slack because 
I feel like she spends a lot of the movie very, like, con- she spends a lot of the movie convincing herself of things. And I'm sure that at a certain point, her brain is like, well, I have worked this hard to make this work. So I want to believe that the good is happening. Like it's, it's sort of a cumulative effect rather than taking each lie, like on its own. Um, which is also a very like big red flag of emotional abuse. Like it all starts very believable so that by the time it starts, when it, when it starts to become um, like truly outrageous, you've already kind of built into yourself the habit of believing them. So it takes more of a, um, it's more of a directional change to recognize and understand that they are lying to you. I also think that the movie wants you and I to recognize that he is a liar before it wants Andrea to. So I think, I think that there's also that element. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think they definitely wanted us to kind of look from the outside and be like, say what now? Um, but it just, I, like I said, I, it just unsuspended my disbelief. Like, I just was like, no, like, no, this character would not do that. Like, I, I, I get that they've spent some time trying to convince us that she just like thinks she should be in a relationship so badly that she will put all of these blinders on, but I, they, they have just led me to the water and I am not drinking. Like, (laughs) yeah, I, it just didn't, it just didn't strike me as believable. I also think that if the movie had been better written, you would have been more inclined to go with it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like I, I, I think there is a version of this movie where that could work and this was not it. Like, it just, it was not well-written enough. I think the version of this movie that works is a horror movie. Exactly! No, <laughs> I, like, I finished this movie, I almost texted you, and was like, okay, is would a Gone Girl-ish move, version of this movie be better? I think so. Like, there is a, there is a Stephen King short story about a woman who discovers that her husband of like 15 years is a serial killer and has to, and has been killing women for like longer than they have been married Mm. and has to reconcile the version of her husband that she knows with discovering this horrible thing about him. And that is kind of what I, that are like that's the bones of the movie that I could see yes. under the humor of it, and I was like, I kind of wish they had just gone full serial killer. Yes, again, this movie like takes the like visual language and like some of the trappings of a rom com, but it is a horror story. It is a like psychological horror story. Like the tonal dissonance between these things is just. It just gives me such strong whiplash. 
I, I was, yeah. Um, yeah, Dennis is a serial killer. Yep. The end. <laughs> yep. And knowing how convincingly, right? I mean, this is my bringing out my uh, Veronica Mars past, but like Ryan Hansen plays a like a scummy dude so well that I'm just I was a little bit disappointed they didn't give him more space to just like be scummy for longer you know what I mean that they like had him keep this facade on for so long and then he ends up just being so pathetic exactly which is fine like I I did not want to feel anything except disgust for him at the end of the movie yeah but yeah, I'm like, come on. Like you he is very good at playing total Well, he's also good at I I don't know if you're a party down person. Mm, I watched a few episodes of it. Oh, I love Party Down. I don't uh, think it ages well. No, I've rewatched it pretty recently. Some episodes age well, some do not. Um but he is so good at just being like an absolute ditz. Um, and it, so like he has the range to go from like, you know, nice guy to like his Veronica Mars character being just a total, not like near this level of psychopath, but like kind of scuzzy. So he like has that range and I wish they would have let him use it more instead of just at the end busting out the like oh turns out he's a scummy guy after all I don't know I'm trying to think of something that I liked about this movie I I enjoyed um I enjoyed Eliza Schlesinger yeah I, I liked watching her I liked watching Margaret show. I actually liked the plot line with Serena. Uh, oh, Andrea, yeah. Andrea's acting rival. I thought that was actually very well done. Um, and it turns out, like, Serena is insecure. Like, Andrea wants to be Serena, and Serena wants to be Andrea. And they resolve at the end, kind of, to be friends. Like, I thought that was lovely. I thought that was a very good kind well, of and- inverse of that. Trope. Yeah, almost more importantly than that, I, I liked that um, Andrea had this whole rivalry with Serena, like, built up in her head, and then finds out that it is completely in her head. Because she feels like Serena is showing up at every casting call that she has, and, like, every time she gets something good, Serena is there also. And it turns out that it's just, like, coincidence, well, and that, in fact, Serena envies some things about um, uh, Andrea's, like, freedom as a comic. Like, Serena mm-hmm. has felt constrained by the role she's been given and the type she's been cast in and actually, like, is kind of jealous of Andrea in some ways. But, yeah, like, all of this, like theoretically malicious like you're always taking the things that I want is just not true yeah Um, and yeah I enjoyed seeing them reconcile at the end me too and I thought yeah like I said I thought that was a lovely like 
inversion on that trope. Um, yeah, and always nice to see people have realistic or semi-realistic consequences to their horrible actions. Yep. Yeah, that was refreshing that it wasn't just written off. Yeah, I yeah, I just I mean, and I think we've we talk a lot about like what is a rom-com, what makes a rom-com, but this just seems it's such an odd duck of the the story is like misery. Yeah, this almost felt more mm. like it was trying to be something like, like, Good Luck Chuck or something. Yeah. Like, one of those stupid, bro-y kind of comedies only starring a woman, which I'm, I am for diversifying these comedic genres that are normally very, um, very man-centric, um, which I guess also just means that sometimes we'll get bad movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and you know, you think about like the female gross-out comedy like genre that Bridesmaids unleashed and like some of them like Neighbors 2 are great and some of them are like Desperados completely unwatchable. I thought Desperados was better than this movie. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> is this movie... Okay, this movie might vie for my, like, 49 right before after. Like, I don't rank our movies. I, I appreciate that you do, because it helps me remember. I don't rank our movies, but this one might go, like, automatically to the bottom of the pile. Or right above it's, after. I mean, it's going down there for sure. Um... I don't know. I haven't decided fully where I want it to go, but after was just yeah. I did I did chuckle sometimes at this movie. There were some parts I liked, and after was just such a slog. Yeah. I just I don't know this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, After probably is the worst movie. This movie just loses so many points for me for, like, tr trying to play with the rom-com genre and just utterly failing. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not great. It's not great! Not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> yeah. I don't even really know that I have that much more to say about it. Movie bad. That's like <laughs> what I got. Don't watch this movie. It is not worth 92 minutes of your time. Those I 92 guess, you know, minutes of my life I'm never getting back. That I could, Well, at least I was snuggling my dog while watching this movie. But I was going to say, at least it was only 92 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the only way this could have been worse. They dragged it out over 120. But yeah, oh, please, God. please, dear listener, do something else with 92 minutes of your time. I entreat you. Please. So, Marin. So, Marin. What would you... What would you recommend that our listeners watch 
or read instead of this <laughs> subpar. So I'm going to recommend a book that I am actually fairly confident I've recommended before, but I think it's fit so well. I'm going to break my rule of trying not to recommend the same things. Um, and it's called The Boy Next Door by Meg Cabot. Um, and it actually does the trope of uh, hero disguises his identity to heroin, but it's for a good reason. Um, and it is about two reporters. Um, and, um, one owes a college friend a favor and so disguises himself as college friend and meets the other while doing some house sitting, pretending to be his college friend. Um, they fall in love. It turns out his college friend is a real bad dude. That's not a spoiler. It's pretty apparent pretty early on. Um, one of the quirks of this book, which was written in 2002, um, is that it's actually written all through email. Um, so the entire book is text of emails. It is laugh out loud hilarious um, and is a much better version of this trope. So The Boy Next Door by Meg Cabot. I don't think you've recommended this book before because I love an epistolary novel. And if you had oh. talked about this one before, I definitely would have read it, which I'm going to this week because oh. I love an epistolary novel. Oh, it is delightful. I have not reread it for a little while. So and again, it is from 2002. So I cannot guarantee how well it ages, but I think you will love it. My cabin's pretty solid. She is. I think. Some of her humor maybe is very early aughts, but I'm willing to forgive it. Yeah. Yeah. Martha, what would you recommend? And a movie that I think is underappreciated and is one of the few friends to lovers stories that I enjoy. Uh, and it is 2011's No Strings Attached, starring oh. Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. Uh, I am recommending this one because of the very strong, like, no, we're, we're, just friends vein that um, good on paper attempts to pursue and does not. I find No Strings Attached to be superior to the contemporary film <gasps> Friends with Benefits. Wow, that is a hot take. Okay. I will say I, I did rewatch it recently and its supporting cast is truly delightful. Yes. So in the in the supporting cast, we have Mindy Kaling, Guy Branham, and who's the third? There uh, is a Greta, Greta Gerwig and Jake Johnson, I believe. But yeah, Greta Gerwig, Mindy Kaling, and Guy Branham, who is one of my favorite comedians working today, play Natalie Portman's like coterie of BFFs. And that Greek chorus for me is worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> I will say I do not I do not necessarily share your opinion. I, I do probably prefer friends with benefits, but I was very pleasantly surprised upon my first rewatch of No Strings Attached for quite some time. I will tell you there honestly is room in my life for both. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think just, that's a great take. <laughs> I just find that I slightly prefer this one. Um so next time. And I just went to charge my phone so I don't have the Netflix page for our next movie pulled up. But give me just a moment. 
for our next movie, we are going to be watching the 2018, and I, I think this is also a Netflix original, uh, Midnight Sun, starring Bella Thorne and Patrick Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Uh, Bella Thorne plays a girl who's allergic to sunlight. <laughs> and for some reason, that is a devastating secret that she can't tell her boyfriend. <laughs> uh, we will see. <laughs> um, until then, if you would like more of our show, you can find us online at SoundCloud, on SoundCloud, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you are getting your podcast currently. You can also listen to our sister show, Did You Do Your Homework?, which updates on the same feed on opposing Wednesdays from our show. Is it because I'm too cheap to pay for two SoundCloud accounts? You're damn right. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on the social media feeds that we share with Did You Do Your Homework? Am I too lazy to maintain two different social media accounts? You're damn right. <laughs> uh, it is important to remember, listeners, that we both have jobs. Sure do. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you can find us on all the places at DYDYH Podcast. I'm apparently feeling very kicky tonight, so I apologize for that. Uh, you can find me personally on social media at Magical Martha, uh, where I tweet a lot about movies that I've just watched and lukewarm takes that are things like Pacific Rim is good, actually. Um, Martin, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced, um, where I basically tweet about romance novels these days. Um, so if you're interested in romance landia at all, feel free to give me a follow. Um, can't think of anything else that I should be plugging here, but I'm sure that Pete will fill it in in post if I am forgetting anything at all. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Uh, so, thank you so much for listening. We will see you in two weeks. And until then, just remember that we love you. So we should put a spoiler warning at the top of this episode oh, eh. because it's from 2012. It's from 2021. Fair enough. Hooray. Hooray. I almost feel yeah. like for that one, our uh, spoiler alert should be like, please don't watch this don't movie because it. it's so bad. It's not great. <laughs> I feel like this episode's going to be on the shorter end. Which I think is fine. I think that's what this movie deserves. Oh, yeah. There's Gee, just... How long, yeah. how long have we been recording? Well, we're at 52 minutes, but I think 10 of that was us talking about the Green Knight. So... Oh, Marin, I think like 20 of that was us <laughs> talking about the Green Knight. Okay, that's entirely possible. So, yeah, definitely going to go down as one of our shorter films but i think that's what happens when we mostly agree and it's a bad movie yeah we agreed on everything and it sucked so <laughs> exactly 
my god. I had to, like, watch a bunch of, like, clips of good rom-coms to, like, get it, like, a mouthwash, like, wash it out of my system. <laughs> I don't remember what I watched after, but I'm sure it was something. I'm going to try, I think for funsies, I'm going to try and read this book. Oh, I also. think you should! I, again, I can't guarantee how well it ages, and, um, but it, let me see if, I feel like a lot of those were actually on Hoopla. Um, oh, yeah. Hoopla is great for those. Oh, yeah. Hoopla Hoopla has got us covered for the rom-com books. But, oh, my God, it is so funny. Um, okay, well, I log into Hoopla, and the first thing that pops up is Meg Cabot books. I shit you not. Fabulous. They can hear you. They can hear you talking. I have to finish the the YA book I'm reading on Hoopla right now before I start anything else. I'm reading Murder Trending. Hashtag oh, Murder Trending. I don't know if I know about that one. It is absurd it is about in the future um the government has outsourced capital punishment to an island um that has made basically a reality tv show out of it oh so so it's like that black mirror episode a little i don't know i've never watched black mirror but but like people who are sentenced to death are sent to the island where they like live and have their apartments and like basically exist until the um sponsored executioners like hunt them down and kill them and then the the whole question of the book is are they rigging trials so that the people sent to this reality show are like young and hot instead of actually murderers Oh, uh-huh. Jeez. Okay, I will not tell you which Black Mirror episode because it is a twist, but this is like a Black Mirror oh, episode. Oh, I'm never going to... I am never going to watch it. Okay, fair enough. Black Mirror is not my, not my jam. Uh, totally understandable. <laughs> I I feel like I, I have stopped watching it long ago and I'm fine with that. I've... Yeah, it is a... It is doing a thing that is often not enjoyable. Correct. Yeah. All right, friend. I'm going to go watch the season finale of The White Lotus. Oh, have fun. Um, yeah. It has been, that's been blowing up all over the news today, so. Yes, I ha- we have to watch it before the internet spoils it for me. <laughs> for us. We watch it together. Aw, nice. All right. I'll okay. talk to you later, friend. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.